Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of uh, V Brown Bag. Tonight, we are going to be continuing um, our series on APIs, and I am very excited to have one of our very own alum here as the presenter tonight, Mr. Kyle Reddy. He's uh, he's going to be talking about exploring vSphere APIs. But first, a couple of uh, uh, housekeeping notes. Please get in on the conversation um, tonight. If you go to at V Brown Bag on Twitter. Both Ariel and I will be watching and, and answering questions from there. Uh, also from the live attendees in the audience, we'll be answering questions from you as well. Um, this evening, we have the fabulously bearded, actually all three of us are bearded this evening, the, the, the bearded trio of Kyle Ruddy, Chris Williams, and Ariel Sanchez. Um, with that, Mr. Ruddy, are you ready to, to be handed the power? Yes, I am ready. Awesome, awesome. Make presenter. Shablam. All right. Let's figure out which one my main screen is here. All right. So did it come through? Do you see a, a slide that says vSphere API interfaces? Yes, we do. Awesome. Okay. Now we are set. We are ready to roll. Huzzah! <laughs> All right. So I'm Kyle Ruddy. Uh, as Chris said, I am a uh, V Brown Bag alum. Uh, every now and then, I'm I'm on here helping out hosting and uh, uh, you know providing all kinds of uh, of horrible comments and and things of that nature. So I'm I'm really happy to be on this side of the mic tonight uh, to actually be presenting. Um, I was really excited when this uh, when the series was brought up because I I think this is a, a really good thing to cover because as you know, the more that I'm talking to people and the more that, uh, you know, you know, it's just everything is evolving, really. So, you know, people's roles are changing. You know, back when I was an admin, all of a sudden there was a whole, there was a big call to like, okay, so can we do these custom things? Well, you know, the tools that we had didn't really allow us or afford us the capability of doing that. So then I started getting into automation and, and now, you know, here we are today and I'm talking about APIs like you know I'm basically a developer so it's kind of crazy to see how things have have been changing over the years uh, so uh, my day job is with VMware actually so with them I'm a senior technical marketing engineer and I actually cover vSphere automation so that's you know APIs CLIs like power CLI and SDKs so today we're going to be talking about the vSphere APIs so if you already know a thing or two about some of the vSphere APIs, um, you know that this probably wasn't you know, a, a really easy thing to grasp, easy thing to learn and, and start really using. Um, so I'm gonna be covering first off, you know, what all the interfaces are, what are the endpoints? Uh, so we've got our ESXi nodes, we've got our vCenter servers. Now I should also point out that because this is because it's a vCenter endpoint, it doesn't matter if it's the vCSA, which you know the my inner VMware employee is saying that you know hopefully you're using the vCSA, or if it's the Windows vCenter server, because at the API endpoint layer, it's all the same thing. It's all just software at that point. So, um, you know, every ESXi node has a SOAP API endpoint. So if you're familiar with some of the older APIs or you know APIs that have been around for a while, you've probably at least heard of SOAP, maybe cursed it a time or two, uh, 
uh, and then moved on to you know some easier way to consume these APIs. Uh, so that API that's available on the ESXi node allows you to do your, your management, uh, reporting, and some of the basic features that you can do on a standalone host. Uh, from that point, we can move up to the SOAP API endpoint that's available on the vCenter server, uh, which gets into a, a little more, uh, a little bit better uh, feature set as far as being able to manage things that are in the vCenter. So things like clusters and data store clusters and uh, reporting and, and things of that nature. But this is all done through the SOAP API. Again, you know, it's a, it's a really hard thing to kind of grasp and, and get a hold of. Uh, but then, as of uh, vSphere 6.0, we actually introduced a REST API-based endpoint. Uh, however, it was kind of limited. So at the time, it could only do content library and tagging. Uh, so, you know, not a tremendous use case to, to switch over to start using that. Uh, but that's where those features were. Uh, and then for, you know, just full coverage-wise, then there's also the SIM API, uh, which gets a lot of your system health and analytics like that. Uh, so now that we kind of know what the endpoints are or, you know, what can talk to um, or what endpoints provide what, let's talk about, you know, how we can really talk to this. Uh, now, another part of the issue with the SOAP API and even the SIM API for a certain point uh, was the limit of how you can talk to it or how you can interact with it. So you were left with the vSphere management SDKs, which was in Perl.net and Java. Uh, and again, it could do interact with all the services that are listed there. Uh, however, after a little while, we ended up releasing uh, a, some open source SDKs, which was in you know, a little more modern uh, languages such as Python, Ruby, and Go. Uh, for those people who are wondering how you say those things, it's PyVMommy, RBVMommy, and GoVMommy. <laughs> that is the question. That is something that comes up. It's okay. Oh, Py? Appy? <laughs> yeah, we, we love the acronyms and, and the funky spellings. Uh, so then, since we now have this new REST API, uh, we've released a bunch of new vSphere automation SDKs uh, that can talk in Perl.net, Java, Python, Ruby. Um, and then there's also one that's technically a REST SDK, which will be uh, the whole purpose to this is I'll be looking at that uh, here in a little, in a little while. Uh, and again, at the time, it was content library and tags. And I'll get to what it does today in just a second. Uh, and then, you know, you also had outside of this, you had things like your Power CLI, your vSphere CLI, uh, Data Center CLI, uh, vRealize Orchestrator, all of those things that underneath the covers, it was talking to all of these APIs. You know, so when you're using Power CLI, know that, you know, underneath the covers, you're, you're using APIs. You know, so talking directly to the API really isn't that big of a jump. Uh, so to dig a little further into the RESTful APIs, since, you know, that's what this whole series is about, uh, we'll take a look at what vCenter has actually uh, brought on. Uh, so basically, since we had all of those SOAP APIs, and the SOAP API, APIs could do pretty much everything. Uh, however, you know, because they were you know, pretty hard to use, the learning curve was pretty steep, um, we've had a lot of requests to have a RESTful API provided. 
And this is the first iteration of that. Uh, so as of today, uh, with vSphere 6.5, we have a RESTful API to talk to your, to, to do some VM management stuff, as well as to manage the vCSA. Um, you know, the key point to this is that, you know, we've completely rewritten these APIs. So we're not trying to just do a conversion to do SOAP to REST, uh, because, you know, we, we don't want to bring over the unfortunateness that is the SOAP API as far as, you know, for those people who are just starting to learn it. You know, clearly the SOAP API, API is rock solid. Uh, tons of people are using it. Tons of partners are using it. Um, tons of our uh, our third parties are using it. So, you know, it's definitely usable. However, it's, it's just hard to learn. Uh, so we're trying to get into a little more modern side of things to, to make this a little easier to, to use and consume and, and to build on. Uh, so let's dig into uh, some of what we can do. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there's there's a little bit of a limitation there, right? So because it can do VCSA management, which we're looking at right here, so we're talking, you know, access to the VCSA, setting up user accounts, checking out the health, uh, doing some of the networking areas. Uh, key point here, doing backup and recovery jobs through the REST API, that, that is huge. Um, and then doing some of the other system settings. Uh, but, you know, this is pretty much it. This is a, a pretty, um, you know, full list of, of what you can do. So outside of that, you know, there's still some things that, uh, that need to be added um, or completed, you know, things like uh, certificate management is the, the one big one that comes up. The other one um, is SSO domain management, which is another thing that uh, is definitely on the radar, uh, high priority on the radar. Uh, and then, next slide here. Here we go. Okay, so here's where we get into, you know, kind of kind of understand what you're looking at when you start uh, trying to use this. Uh, so what I mean, when I say VM management, literally, I mean VM management, because this is basically all VM oriented. Uh, you can do some things outside of messing with the VM. So you can do things like, you know, getting and listing your clusters, uh, data centers, data stores, folders, uh, things of that nature. Uh, you get kind of a a little bit uh, of a wider area for the hosts, uh, but you know there's things like you can't add a host and then put it into a cluster. Those are going to be things that that are to come. Uh, so know that when you're getting started, you know kind of what the limitations are because otherwise you might get a little frustrated when you're trying to you know get some workflow or or process to you know, from A to B and, and you can't do it. Uh, so just know that ahead of time. So with that, now that I've kind of done a little overview of what's there and um, and if you've been watching the series, you've probably already seen some really good examples. I know Chris Wall um, and the presenter from last week both brought up the API Explorer uh, and Chris did some some PowerShell interaction with the API. So uh, hopefully this isn't anything that's, that's too new, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into my my demo environment. Thank you. Auto update. I would like to not update anything right now. Zoinks. All right. So here we are. Uh, let's see. I didn't. Wow. I didn't have any slides in there about the API Explorer. All right. So let me. Uh, because be live demo. Yes, live demos. <laughs> I, and I have no plan B for this either, so let's hope that it works. Uh, so 
here we're looking at a vCenter environment. So we've got our, our cluster, we've got a couple hosts, we've got a resource pool, we've got some VMs that are out there, uh, and we've got a, a single node that's outside of the cluster. And you know, if, I'll, I'll get to, to the reason for that here in just a second. But, so this is a real live environment. Uh, if you look at it, the, the vCenter name is vcsa01.corp.local. So really the easiest way to start getting some exposure to these APIs is through the API Explorer. Um, and this is something that's available on vSphere 6.5. This is not something that exists on 6.0, even though it did have a RESTful endpoint. Um, if you are familiar with the managed object browser or the mob, this is basically like the, the 2.0 version um, in, you know, except so much nicer and, and easier to work with. Um, so you can get to it by going to your vCenter server. Uh, so in this case, you know, vcsa01.corp.local and then API Explorer. And from that point, this thing will show up. So if you're familiar with Swagger, uh, this is essentially a, a Swagger UI that's, that's kind of been rebranded to, to suit us and, um, you know, reflect our API calls and, and our JSON file that we, uh, that we dumped out for this. Uh, so there's a couple different APIs that are out there that you can talk to. Uh, you have one for the appliance, uh, one for CIS, which is technically the tagging, uh, content, which is your content library, the V API API, which is literally to actually talk to the V API uh, to, to see, you know, how the service is handling things, if it's okay, see what the status is. Uh, and then lastly, there's the vCenter API. Uh, now, if you're on a Windows vCenter server, uh, you know, the appliance one won't show up because that's not applicable to you. If you're running this against a PSC, this, the API Explorer will still show up. However, the functionality will be limited. You know, so it's not going to really reflect anything on, under the vCenter API. Um, so let's start with the appliance here. So there's some things that we can see right off the bat. We can see stuff like access. You know, so if you expand that, it'll tell you what actual calls you can make right there. So we can see the first one is checking out and seeing, you know, get this enabled state of the console-based uh, CLI. So in this case, we can see some things such as uh, what kind of input that it's expecting. In this case, it's looking for JSON. We can see what typical error messages may hold. So if it's a 400 error, uh, this is kind of the output that we expect to see. Uh, same thing for, this one's a little more, more helpful as far as uh, input and the JSON values there. Uh, so it even includes parameters. So kind of allows you to know what the API is expecting. Uh, and then instead of having to type everything in over there, you can click on the data type for the example value and it'll fill in that area right there. Uh, now the key part of all of this is that, you know, these are not only displaying and allowing you to explore what API calls are available, but you can actually start doing them. Uh, so let's go to one that's a little easier to verify and validate on the VAMI, uh, which is the SSH access. So 
with the API Explorer, you can click the Try It Out button, and it will actually run that call against the vCenter server. Uh, so in this case, click, clicking Try It Out, we get a sample curl statement. So literally, you could take this curl statement, uh, plug it into your, your SSH session or, or what have you, your command line, and run that. Uh, and it would get the same response back as if you were in here. Uh, then we see the response. So in this case, we could see that we are unauthenticated. You know, and that's a response code of 401. And then we can see some of the headers below as well. Uh, so it's really easy to get authenticated. And this is what makes it so user-friendly. You can literally click the logon button up there. And then since we're doing stuff on the appliance side, Uh, this is vSphere.local. So we log in. We can tell what our account is right there. And then we can rerun it. And we can see that our null value there was updated with a current session ID. And then we get a response code of 200. And we can see that the value is set to true. So let's... Uh, Let's go to our VAMI here. Let's let's go double check this. Make sure that uh, you know it's it's not feeding us uh, you know some false information. So opening up port fifty four eighty, it's going to be all mad at me because I don't have a proper cert on it. Work around that with the uh, bad idea. Uh, Google Chrome input. All right, so go to, going to access there, we can see that SSH login is enabled. Now, what if we wanted to change that? What if we wanted to be you know, good stewards of our security and our environment, and we're like, we should turn that off? So we can go to the next call that's right there, which is a put statement, which means that it's, it's changing something. Uh, and then we can click on the example value right there, which is gonna fill in uh, what the JSON should look like. And then instead of saying true, we're gonna say false. So in that case, if we run this again, so we get no response, which is the no, no content there. However, the response code is 200. So a 200 means that it's good, everything ran. It ran as it thinks is properly. Uh, so let's go back to our uh, our VAMI here. If it does what it did the last time, I may have to re-log in. Yep. So let's log in again. So now that we can see our SSH login is disabled. Kyle, that is amazing. And we have our first question uh, on the REST calls. Yes. Larry Smith asks, are the REST calls item potent by default, or will I need to still build in the logic? 
explain further. What do you mean? Larry, is that a... Uh, you know, it's funny. I've been pasting screenshots as I follow along with what you just did. I had never done this. It's amazing. <laughs> Waiting for uh, Larry to come back with, with a clarification on that one. Will it only make changes when it is not what the desired value is? Uh, good question. Let's find out. All right. Anything the gods, I see. Hey, why not? <laughs> Fun of live demos. Mm. All right. So our SSH is still set to uh, to disabled there. So we've got our our parameter here for our put method set to false. So let's see what happens. Do our try it out. Still got 200. So still get a 200, still get no content. Let's go back up and do a get. Still shows false. I'm not sure if that really answered the question. My guess is it will not tell you that you put a wrong input. Uh, I think Larry's talking about if it if it actually makes if it actually runs the command uh, to to make the change regardless. It doesn't do any kind of changes, or it doesn't have any logic to look and see what the um, to verify that you know. In this case, it's not looking to say, "Hey, is the SSH service turned on or off?" beforehand. It's just saying, "Send through." In this case, turn it off. And it's just going to make that call regardless. All right. Larry says Pretty you're certain. exactly, and he's on the right track. So I think we can follow up on Twitter, but I think he got what he wanted. Okay. Good deal. All right. So a couple other things that we can do in here. Uh, I'm not going to mess with the with the host name. You can technically. Uh, change the host name through here. Uh, DNS servers, you can change how DNS is configured. Uh, so let's do our try it out, see what we're looking at right now. Uh, so in this case, we've got static mode as far as the IP, and then the servers are set to uh, this one individual server. Uh, let's see, do uptime, although uptime isn't going to be quite impressive. Oh, the other thing that I should be calling out here as I'm going through these, and sorry that I just scrolled up to the top really fast, uh, but notice what the URIs are for this, you know, because this is something that that is being rewritten. It's something that's, you know, changed. You know, these are these are updates to... Uh, to what existed prior. So, you know, the URIs here are appliance, it's access, SSH, you know, it's, it's pretty intuitive, it's pretty, uh, you know, straightforward. You know, so in essence, you know, when you switch over to shell, you can pretty much guesstimate that's talking about the local shell on the VCSA. Uh, moving to other areas here, so looking at the uptime that I was getting to, you know, again, the URI is appliance, it's system, it's uptime. So, you know, 
straightforward you can think that, okay, this is gonna get the uptime of this system that's an appliance. Uh, you know, so try to make this about as easy as possible uh, to try and learn and understand and, uh, and be able to consume. Uh, so doing another try it out here, uh, we can see that we, uh, we have a response value, if I remember right, I think this is milliseconds. Yeah, milliseconds, I believe, because I just rebooted it about an hour or two ago just to not tempt the demo gods too much. <laughs> um, so there are some other things that are, that, uh, that as people are going through and checking things uh, that they should be aware of, there is the tech preview APIs that are in here as well. Uh, those could change at a later date. They are supposed to be functional. Uh, primarily, they do work. Uh, I have found a couple, uh, and you know, if the if the guys that send me the email uh, about one of the tech preview updates not working properly is is on here, we are talking about local user accounts. Uh, much appreciated on that because I had no idea prior. Uh, but basically, we figured out that you could only run uh, updates to the local user accounts if you were uh, the administrator at vSphere.local account. If you created a new admin that was within the local SSO group, didn't work. If you did it as another user that had admin rights, didn't work. Administrator at vSphere.local was the only one that worked. Uh, so that was kind of a, a cool thing to, to note. But again, because it's tech preview, these things might change. And in this case, because you know I was alerted to it and I can create bugs, uh, we're going to probably be able to fix that and improve upon that you know, when it's released actually out into the wild and in a non-tech preview status. Uh, but so you know, a lot of these things are, are functionalities that, that we think most people want, desire. Uh, so, you know, setting up like NTP, uh, handling routing. Uh, so like, let's, like, I don't know that I've ever run this one, so why not run it now? You know, we can see that the curl statement is still there. Everything's looking pretty much about the same as our URI that's pointing out and saying, you know, it's an appliance, it's tech preview, it's networking, and then we're talking about routes. So we can see our default gateway here uh, that's going out of NIC1. And interestingly enough, we have two of them here. That's mighty interesting. Uh, yeah. It would be pretty cool if you change your default gateway and we lost the demo for good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be bad. <laughs> that would be me switching to like my home lab and saying, all right, we're we're gonna do this. <laughs> um, all right, so I got a, a couple more questions. One one may be center specific. Uh, talking about the backup and recovery options. I guess the, the best question for you would be uh, have you seen people trying to use the backup options through the API, and are they doing like a, a just a database backup or a full system backup? Uh, yeah, so the the backup is file based, um, and it is pretty much whatever you want. So you know, think of it. Well, so in my mind, I, I kind of compare it to the VCSA migration tool where you can either do your defaults, which is basically your, your standard config, or you can do some of the additional things like events and performance-based information. It's pretty much the same way that 
that the backup works, uh, which we can go go back up. Actually, that's not right. I want the job. Nope. I need the post. Initiate backup job. Uh, and that doesn't help because it's only giving me, it's not giving me the full information for the parts, uh, which I should probably go over and show you guys the documentation. Uh, so I'll do that next. Um, however, it, it's pretty much up to you. So for my lab environments, I just do the basic stuff. I don't, you know, I don't really care about any of the additional information. Uh, some of the customers that I talk to, uh, they just do everything. You know, for the most part, the backups are, are pretty small. Uh, since they're file-based, you the, they can be compressed, um, so you can you can do things of that nature as well. So that kind of seems to help as far as customer adoption. Um, and if you aren't familiar with how the restore process happens, is that as part of the restore, it deploys a brand new VCSA, and then it applies the uh, the files that it backed up. It applies it to that brand new VCSA. Uh, so you don't have to to worry about you know any garbage that was left over behind. We're not going to try and you know restore it back to this exact same VCSA because you know we we want to wipe it clean. We want to start you know start with a clean slate. Sounds good. I'm actually getting a lot of people in Twitter saying, "Wow, I, I didn't know this was here." So everybody's loving your session so far. Fantastic. That is what I love to hear because this to me this is super cool. This is. You know, I, I would have been diving into APIs so much earlier in my career if something like this was available because SOAP APIs were rough. Hmm. All right, so since we kind of were going into, um, you know, the documentation part, seeing what's available, uh, let's actually cover that because I think we're, we're, what, 9.05? So we've got about 25 minutes left. So that's kind of a good segue. Uh, so let's show a couple different ways to get to the documentation. So if you're familiar with the documentation that exists today for the vSphere management APIs, um, you're probably unimpressed. Um, they're they're hard to read through. They're hard to to search. They're uh, you know just all and out difficult. Uh, so we have as part of this by switching to the REST API by you know, using more modern tools and things like Swagger, uh, we can also update our uh, our documentation as well. So going out to VMware Code or code.vmware.com, and then there is what's called a API Explorer. Um, kind of an unfortunate name, considering we also have that on the uh, vCenter server and and PSCs themselves, but you know. It's, it's accurate, it's not wrong. Uh, then as part of the API Explorer, you can go down and select REST, and from that point, you'll see all of the APIs that are available to us um, as far as what VMware has provided uh, that can talk REST. So in this case, we've got the Content Library API, uh, which I believe includes tagging in it as well, and we've got some NSX APIs, a Photon API, and then the last two, which is primarily what we're talking about tonight. Uh, so let's continue taking a look at the v VCSA API. Let's hope it works. There we go. Awesome. This was not working about 
half an hour ago. So I was a little worried. Uh, so this is live. It's, it's sitting out there on VMware Code's website. Uh, it gives you a very similar experience to what you have when you're actually running it on top of the vCenter itself. Uh, so come on. Okay, maybe it's not working fully yet. Expand operation. Okay, some of it's working. We've had a couple bugs in the in the VMware code site here over the last week or two, uh, but you can work around them. So that's that's cool. At least we've got functionality working. But anyway, so you know this is giving you pretty much the same uh, information that you were seeing on top of the vCenter server itself. You know, so we're seeing that same interaction. You know. We can actually, you know, copy out what the JSON is so that we can include that in our own call. Uh, let's go down to, so we were talking backups. Uh, so backup job. Expand. Oh, no, that's not the one I wanted. I wanted the post. There we go. Initiate backup. So kind of the same idea, uh, but it allows you to, to get access to the API to see all of this information without actually doing it uh, against a vCenter server. Uh, plus it doesn't give you the, the nice little try it out button, which you know since it's actually tr doing those, those activities, it's really running that against the environment, you know, maybe you don't wanna have access to that. Maybe it's okay that it's not there. Um, then let's talk about the, uh, let's get into Postman. So I know Postman has come up a couple times. Uh, Chris Wall didn't seem to be too big of a fan. Uh, however, personally, I think it's terrific as far as, you know, when you're exploring the API, when you're starting to get used to an API, I think it's a great resource, uh, highly recommended, and VMware has made it really easy uh, to help you get started along with that as well. Uh, so to do that, that's where we get into the SDKs. So there, there was kind of a method to my madness of, of explaining out what, what our SDKs were and what they do. Uh, so let's get out to take a look at the vSphere automation page here. So this is vmware.github.io, and then it's slash vSphere-automation-sdk. Uh, so these, the important part here, especially as you're just beginning, uh, is the REST SDK. Now the really cool thing about this is that it's open sourced. Uh, so all of, these, all of these SDKs are available out on GitHub. So you know, you click the REST button, it literally takes you over to, uh, to the GitHub repo. So you can see, uh, you know, the things that have happened in the past, you can see what the pull requests are, you can see what the commits are, uh, you can literally see the underlying code. And you can actually contribute back. So the one thing that I kind of glossed over there uh, that I should not have, because I think it's pretty cool, uh, down on the page when it talks about, you know, a little bit of an overview of what it does, it, it goes through that, you know, the vSphere Automation APIs is VCSA, 
and VM management plus content library and tagging. But then if you actually make a contribution back, you get added to the contributors area. Uh, so you could see uh, folks like Alan Renouf and, and Tian Hao from the, from the Python side. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to try, but he was our first customer contributor. Uh, he came back and, uh, and added a whole bunch of a brand new collection uh, to the rest stuff. Uh, you can see JJ from, from Chef. Uh, so that's kind of a cool little thing to, to also, you know, kind of get a tip of the hat to you uh, for providing back and being awesome community members. Uh, but anyways, let's go back to the, to the GitHub repo here. Uh, if you've never used GitHub or, you know, you have no idea what you're looking at here, uh, that's really okay because the important part is this clone or download button. So if you click on that guy and then do download zip, this is going to download the entire SDK to your local system. Uh, so let's do that because it's pretty small. I think it's only a couple megs. They're four or six megabytes, something like that. Yeah, 4.7 megabytes. So let's go out to our download folder. Maybe. There we go. All right, so extract that. So here we have everything that's out there and available on the GitHub page. So pretty straightforward. So, you know, even though this is out there on GitHub, if you're not familiar with GitHub, it is not a requirement. Uh, that's just the delivery system instead of having to go through and have a VMware account and log into my.vmware.com and try and locate where the proper SDK is. And it, it, that's just messy. And, and uh, you know, you've, if you've been watching some of the product releases that we've done on the automation side, you can kind of see that we're trying to get away from that, trying to make it more user friendly for people to get involved. Uh, so from there, we can go to the doc folder. And then in there is the documentation. It's zipped up. So we'll extract that. And then we have API docs, which is where you want to go. From that point, just look for the index file. I'll drag that above. Oh, nope. I didn't get it to the right area. There we go. So in there, you now have your documentation offline. So now even if you're you know, in a firewalled environment, maybe you don't have direct access to the vCenter server, you can still get to the API docs and you can still get to them in, in the way that you would uh, in the way that you would expect. You know, so just because you're you're behind a firewall doesn't mean that you should be limited to crappy docs. Uh, so getting even closer on time. So let's get to Postman because Postman's awesome and I've already hyped it up. So big thing, use the Postman client. Uh, Postman has a Chrome uh, plugin that you can use. Uh, don't really recommend it. Uh, there are things that don't exactly work as they should. Uh, so I would avoid that if at all possible. Uh, so use the, the full downloadable client. It's free, so there's no, you know, there, there's no real big difference in, uh, in how that works. So opening up Postman. Uh, in this case, I don't, I'm not signed in. I'm not going to sign in because then it imports all my collections and my history and stuff like that. So I want to show it to you guys, like, 
like you guys would experience. So we're going to use the import button here. And we're going to want to import a file. So at this point, we're going to go out to our downloads area, go into our SDK here. We're going to go into samples, because that's essentially what we're doing here. Then there's a Postman folder. Oh, cool. And in there, we've got a bunch of JSON files. So these are the things that, that, uh, that you can see out there on the GitHub page. You can make modifications to. If you think one of our samples sucks, you can update it to something that's a little more relevant. Uh, as part of me coming up with this, I'm probably going to update the add a host sample, because I think it is not as intelligent as it should be. So I selected those bottom JSON files there, which I apologize, I went through that fast because I was on a tangent. Uh, however, what it does is it imports these things called collections. Uh, so Postman Echo, I'm gonna delete you because I don't want you. So we have these things that are out there, out here now. So these are collections. So this is what's part of the SDK that allows people to, to be able to explore and start using this API endpoint a lot easier. So you can see there's a vSphere automation REST resources. Uh, so this is like your, this is gonna be your VM management stuff. So your authentication, data centers, VM creation. Uh, we've got our resources for the appliance, the content library, and then we've even got a samples. Uh, so we haven't really looked at the, the VM side of things too much. Uh, so there is a little bit of a difference in how this works. Uh, so you've got a first login. Uh, now you're going to be greeted with these little red areas here. These are essentially variables. That's the best way to think of them. Uh, and they're red because these don't exist. Now this is what makes it even smoother to get involved with. You can set up an environment. So in this case, let's do click on the gear icon, do manage environments, and then we're going to, well, let's, let's do an import because that'll be faster. Uh, as part of that SDK there, there's another one that's my vCenter, and that's a postman underscore environment uh, JSON. So that's going to be our import. That's what we're going to use here. So we can see that that imported, it says my vCenter. And then in there, you can see some information like the VC, a user, a password, uh, some host information, might be variables for that. Uh, let's change our VC over to what we're using in this example. So that's vcsa01.corp.local. Uh, we'll keep using that because I don't want to really show you guys my, my password in plain text. Uh, another thing to be aware of, so, you know, you can export these collections as well. So if you export your environment, uh, it's going to export your password too. Uh, so kind of a, a security gotcha or a good to know type deal. So I'll hit update there. And then we're done. And then from that point, we can do our drop down right there and see my vCenter. So at that point, these guys change from being from being red to kind of an orangish, and then it shows you what the variable or what the value is for that variable. Uh, so we're doing basic auth, which if you watched last week, you have OAuth and you have basic auth. Uh, the vCenter side, uh, these vSphere automation APIs use basic auth. 
In this case, we're going to do oh, here the other one, password. So password is also a variable that we did that before. Click send to actually, oh no. Uh, yeah, VCSA01 corp.local. It's not getting yeah, any response. Let's try this from another one here. So VC user. Huh. Well, that's no bueno. <laughs> Says something about self-signed search or being blocked, turned off as a self-certificate. Oh, uh, uh, Crap, there, there we go. Hey, there we go. Good call, Ariel. Yay, Ariel. That's that's what I get for not reading the error message. Well, Ariel saves the day. <laughs> All right, so we're now authenticated. Uh, we've got our, our ID here. Uh, however, we really don't need that anymore. So let's start doing some, some other things. Let's start looking at our environment here. So start by looking at our data center. Uh, so in this case, it's, you've got our vCenter server, it's REST, vCenter, data center. Really simple, really straightforward. If we do a send on that, we can see that our, our data center name here is demo environment or demo env. And then that's what the data center ID is. Uh, that comes really in handy if we do some of the other things. Uh, but since we're running close on time, uh, let's see. Let's do, let's do our hosts. So, you know, we're using just what's available in the collections. I'm not modifying anything. It's using those environmental variables, and it's giving us back our, our output. You know, we still get some of that header information that we would need, you know, that we can reference to uh, as far as we're using this in a programming language or thing, something along those lines. Uh, so in this case, we can see that we've got our four hosts. Uh, however, let's, let's do some host modifications. So let's take a look at our, our fourth host here because I, I was talking to Chris earlier and I found out that if you do something wrong, it, it goes catastrophically wrong. So... We're going to use the host that's outside of a cluster. Uh, for most of the host uh, items, it is intended to be done against a standalone. Uh, and I forgot to mention, you can also expand that down, and it shows you kind of a, a brief overview of what's going on. Uh, so let's do... So in this case, we should have a body. Oh, it doesn't have... Oh, it's because it's part of up here. Okay, so that's one of the other things. That's where the documentation would come into play, that, uh, that this host 10 right here, that's what we need to modify. So that's what it's looking for. It's looking for, in this case, that fourth host, which is host 157. Uh, we could create that and turn that into a variable, so then we wouldn't have to do it, but then you'd have to know that this particular disconnect is always going to be for that particular host. 
or you have to go back through and update the variable every single time. So we did that. Get nothing in the body, but our status code over here is 200. So if we jump back to our UI here, you can see that uh, that host four here is now disconnected. Technically, we should have gone back, uh, done our list, updated that, and then we, now we can see that host four is disconnected. Uh, lastly, let's do a, a delete. So again, knowing that you're having to change host 12, because if you don't change host 12 and you have something that's host 12 in your environment, uh, you just deleted it uh, from your inventory. So kind of a, a good thing to know that, you know, if you're used to PowerShell and, and safe versus non-safe verbs, kind of the same deal here. Anytime you're doing something that isn't a get, you should probably be very aware of what's happening. So in this case, we're gonna send, we're gonna do our delete. It's gonna take a little bit longer because it's a, it's a bit heavier of a process. Uh, again, we have our status of 200. Uh, staying within Postman itself, we can verify that now our, uh, our fourth host is now gone. Now, what if we wanted to add it back in? So in this case, uh, we do have some variables, but I'm going to ignore those. Uh, so we're going to overwrite those. So it's putting in our host name of esx04.corp.local. We've got our... Careful with that corp. You got, you got an L, extra L in there. Oh, I do. Where are you guys when so I'm normally good. doing this? This is, this is amazing <laughs> to have like, three extra sets of eyes. I actually have a, a, a nice question. Um, in the UI, you would get a warning when you're doing some of these stuff. Apparently here it just executes, so. Yep. Th that is correct. <laughs> that, that is correct. There great, is no. Great power, great power, great responsibility. Yeah, there, there is no, no safety on this. You know, there's no, uh, there, there's no safeguard, essentially. That's why you always test this in the lab first. Correct. Uh, so in this case, uh, one of the other things that, that came up when I was doing this earlier uh, is to know exactly what these areas are looking for. So almost every single time, it's going to be looking for the ID. Uh, so before, when I was trying to input a folder and it was just saying host, because uh, that's, that's where you're technically putting it, uh, it's it kicks back and it goes well. There's no there's no folder with a host that has an ID of host. Uh, so know that these are always referencing the ID, uh, just like when I was doing the host uh, commands earlier. When I was doing the delete and the disconnect, that was all using that host ID. Uh, so in this case, we're doing a folder, which I grabbed from the uh, the folder list there. And then I think I have everything that we need. So let's do our send. We have a question that may be uh, very particular to this, so I don't want to let it be. Uh, yeah. This, is that looking for the Morif ID, or is it looking for a UUID or global UID? I'm guessing it's the UUID that the host has. 
Kyle, you're still there? You stumped him. Kyle? Steven, oh. you stumped Kyle. Kyle? Hey, am I back now? You are back now. Yes, you are. Oh, you okay. Good deal. <laughs> you killed I, Kyle. I hit a button, I hit a <laughs> button on my keyboard. Um, but no, so uh, it's looking for the MoRef. So everything that, that vSphere pretty much goes by and, and does and handles and uh, it is all by MoRef. Thank you. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, so here we've done, so we've got our, our specification that was there. It was actually input for us, so we don't have to worry about it. Uh, we just had to change some of those, those areas. It kicked back. It gave us status of 200 and a value now of host 167. So in this case, theoretically, we should be able to go back to that list uh, uh, get method that we were using before, send this again, and hopefully, yeah, We've got our ESX04 is now back. So pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, the one last thing that I want to call out, because I know we're, we're like three minutes away from, from time here. Oh, we're good. Uh, but th this is like the, the one really big thing about switching over and using the REST API. If you're using the APIs today, um, if you've tried to create a VM, um, and uh, through SOAP or through PowerCLI, using the underlying APIs, you know it is ridiculous. Uh, so let's, as part of the, uh, uh, the samples that are involved in this, you know, here's the body for the spec. You know, we're talking 38 lines, and, and this is just some of what's involved. Uh, you know, this is calling out name, guest OS type, uh, placement as far as data store, folder, resource pool, memory configuration settings, CPU, CD-ROMs, disks, and this isn't even all of it. It it continues on and on and on and on. It's it's pretty crazy. But with the vSphere Automation RESTful APIs, you can now do what's called creating a VM with defaults. So with that, instead of going through and using that big giant spec, you can now create a VM that's based off of just these 10 lines now. So guest OS type, then you have to give it a data store, a folder, and a resource pool that it should go to. Uh, so this is basically filling in all the rest of that information based upon the best practices that, that VMware's configured. Uh, so in this case, you know, it's, we're looking at a RHEL 7 system. It's going to you know, do like one CPU, couple gigs of RAM, something along those lines. Uh, and then there is also a, uh, you know, if you change it over to be a Windows system, it'll change all of those settings over to be whatever matches, you know, an ideal Windows system. Uh, so let's go ahead and do this real quick. Uh, so primarily there we need the data store, folder, and resource pool. So as part of the samples, we already have that configured so we can do uh, get a data store, so let's do get against the data stores so we can see our information there. Uh, let's put this on our NFS. So again, grabbing the ID for that. Uh, that is our folder. So I can come back to that here in just a second. Uh-oh, where'd it go? Anyways, uh, let's go back to our uh, VM create with defaults. Okay, so we've got our data store here. 
Now let's get our folder. So we'll put this in our discovered virtual machines folder. So again, grabbing our group here or our ID. Tossing that in there. And then lastly, finding a resource pool. Uh, and then what I was removing there was uh, there are filters that you can apply to some of these API calls as well. Uh, check the documentation, use the API Explorer. It's all laid out uh, pretty plainly uh, right there, as well as, you know, giving you a, as far as the API Explorer gives you a, a place to actually put in what the filters should be, uh, and then it'll help apply it for you. So we're gonna put it, this in that temp pool. So right there, based off of that, we've got our information about where it should live. We've got our guest OS type. Now we can hit send. So just like that, we get back. We have a VM ID of VM175, status of 200. So we're good. So let's do, let's see, we don't have our list VMs as part of that. So going back up to our REST resources collection, we can do VM. And we can do list. We can do a send on that. So let's look through here, see if we see anything that looks familiar. So 172, 174, 175. There we go. So there's our, here's the VM that we created right there. So based upon that guest OS type, it gave us two gigs of RAM, it gave us one CPU, it did not power it off, and it automatically gave it a name. You know, so if you're doing this and you're, you're you know, if you can specify a name, but if you don't specify a name, it's gonna create one for it. Uh, so, you know, kind of be aware of that when you're doing this. Uh, let's do, yeah. I have a Ken Nalboni, uh, Nalbone asked in uh, Twitter, can he set VM VMX Net 3 adapters? as one of the defaults for VM create. Oh, it's one of the defaults. Mm -hmm. I would like to say no. Uh, but would here, you let's... actually like to say yes? Oh, I would love to say yes. <laughs> that, uh, so that should be one of those things that you could, uh, here, let's go back. Let, let, me, uh, let me take that back for just, just one second here. Uh, so as part of the how it's provisioned right there, uh, it'll give it whatever it thinks is proper. So I should have let this play out here before saying no. Uh, so we have, where is our network adapter? It didn't even give it a network adapter. So in this well, case. This is cool because we're, we're trying to figure out exactly, so where would I go to find out, right? So. Yep, so in this one, you can actually go and you know, call out that VM175 that we just created. You can add that to the REST vCenter VM and then that uh, that ID and do a get call. Uh, this is the VM details list. So, you know, in that case, it didn't create a network adapter whatsoever. So let's go back and take a look at our documentation here and let's see what it would take. Say, let's, let's do a create uh, again. Uh, let's see. So we've got our, our full spec here. 
So let's look and see where our network is. Got floppies. Here we have Nick's. Uh, e so, E1000. Yeah, you got E1000, two E1000s. Uh, here, let's. Yeah, but that's because the guest OS is the OS, probably. Uh, so, here, let's let's go back. Let's play with this. This this could be homework for me. Thank you, Ken. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and add into this. So we've got our spec here. Let's let's make sure that I'm not, not uh, spec. So one, two, and then go. Okay, one, two. And we've got placement. So in theory, we should be able to paste this right in there, but we don't want two E1000s. See, I don't even know that we need that, huh? I wonder. All right, so we've got the spec information pulled down. Let's take a look at the network. Oh no, that's for the vCenter. Go back to the VM. Uh, hardware, Ethernet, create. Yeah, so that's the standard spec. So in theory, that should work as is. However, we need to get some information. So we need, so you can get some further information here. So we have the spec kind of sample there. Then you can create on, or click on create spec, and it'll give us more information. Uh, so uh, where is distributed port? Why is that up there? So MAC address, defaults to generated. Only relevant when type has value VMXNet3. Yeah, that's it. That's another one of those things that, that you know, the documentation, documentation comes in helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, we can change the PCI slot. So in theory, I wonder if we actually even need the backing. I wonder if I can create this just with with nothing, uh, but but the one thing that we really care about here is the oh there is a backing oh it's optional don't have to worry about it All right but the the type is the important part and the type does not tell us what's what's required so let's do let's just copy out VM next three since VM next three since it's called out. Change that guy to be that. According to this, the backing was optional. Uh, was MAC address optional? MAC address. Uh, it is only relevant when the MAC type has a value of manual, uh, which I don't think we had a MAC type in there. Uh, oh, it is. Take that away. So we should be able to Mac type, optional, defaults to generated. So let's take away both of those. Uh, here, let's, let's run it. Let's see what we got. 
400 bad request. What's that uh, that X there? Are we, are we missing a bracket? Uh, expected comma instead of quotes. So what did what did we miss here? We have our commas. No need for a comma at the end. I wonder if I'm. Uh, is it a comma after that bracket on line eight? On line eight. Oh, you may be right. Okay, so now we have another one. Expected a close. Oh, we've got our close. Uh, open, close, close. Hmm. So on this one, ah, so there's no comma after that. So let's try. Oh, then get rid of the comma on the on line eight then too. Nope. People have said, take the comma off after the last bracket. <laughs> <laughs> take away all the commas. Screw your commas. Is that a square bracket? Oh, there we go. Yeah, there's, there's a bracket start after Nick, and then there's a bracket end after. Is, yep. that, is that supposed to be there? Is that correct? Should be. Okay. I believe so. So let's try this. YOLO. Shoot from the hip. Incompatible device backing for device 11. So that's, we're getting further. Yeah, that's a real error. Uh, let's try, actually is PCI slot even required? Optional, if unset the server will choose and available. Let's remove that guy since that's what's complaining at us at the moment. And it's really still unhappy about that. Anyway, since we're about 10 minutes over, Ken, I have my homework for me. Much appreciated, sir. And, and Ken um, can play within his lab, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and absolutely. But let us know, Ken. Joe says the incompatible device backend is your core group. So. Oh, is the yeah. core group? So it, Oh, so that, that means it's talking about so you can you can create a Mac with an empty port group like I've seen many times. <laughs> this thing. So actually wait here, was it? So under allow guest control between that and Mac address. That UPT compatibility, I think that also is optional. What's that? Uh, line 19, I think it's optional too. Oops. Wrong button. Nineteen. Uh, so let's get our, go back up and get our port group here.
Yeah, you want to change that. You, you have a standard, and in your code, you have a distributed one. Yep, so let's... Yeah, that's line 13. Yeah. I wonder if that'll work. Yeah, worth a shot. The API structure field unexpected, so I bet that's the name. I bet it's complaining about the name. Let's look at the backing spec. Uh, so network distributed port. Uh, standard port group host device distributed port group. So it says that it's optional. Let's see how optional. Hey, there we go. Look at that, Ken. I saved you homework. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, so anyway, so you know, we did that in what 10, 15 minutes. We figured out how to add in, how to just do the network adapter, uh, and then you know everything else is still. Uh, you know, whatever the default is, whatever, whatever the VMware approved configuration is. You know, so let's take a look at our 178 here. So details. So again, we've got our, our two gigs of RAM. We're still feeding that off to the VM or to the NFS mount. Uh, it came up with whatever unfortunate configuration that is. It's giving it a pair of virtual SCSI controller. Uh, and then here's our net network configuration. So we can see that we we gave it a VM next net three. Uh, it's currently not connected because we didn't assign that. It got its own port group or MAC address assigned to the port group that we gave it. You know, and then it, it filled in the rest. So it, you know, it's not as easy as the, the everything by default, but it is getting you, uh, you know, a little closer to the point of, of being able to just input the things that you care about and then let the rest kind of just be handled. Now I have, I have one question. This is a personal question, uh, Kyle. Um, Let's say, okay, I figured out exactly what I want to do, and, and I'm guessing this is uh, something I can do with curl, right? Yes, that absolutely. That, that from now on, if I want to take advantage of this, I should just write a shell script and put a bunch of curl commands in there? Well, so that's that's one way that you could do it. Um, so, you know, Postman is not going to be your end-all, be-all REST client. Uh, you know, so, you know, taking a look back down at the samples down here, uh, you know, to, to do this one single sample to create this VM, you know, you have to do each one of these individual calls uh, and then get the information from it, feed it into the next one uh, or what have you. Whereas, you know, if you put it into to a bash script, then, you know, at least you're automating that process to it. Uh, however, that's where you start taking a look at programming languages. Uh, so, uh, you know, whether that's Ruby, whether that's Python, whether it's, you know, whatever that 
you know, whatever your choice is that can talk REST, you can now interact with the vSphere APIs. You're no longer limited to those, those, other, uh, those other programming languages from before that, that the vSphere management APIs would, uh, would you know, keep you to, keep you limited to. Uh, so in what, I think two or three weeks, I'm, I'm doing another one of these where we, we talk about how to use PowerShell to do something very similar. So you know, at that point, it's your choice. It's, it's the consumer's choice as to what they want to use. Very cool. And I got very immediate reactions to use Ansible or use other things. So oh, I yeah. It. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> wide open. You know, it, if it can talk REST, you can do it. Uh, and, and there's a, you know, the, the community is awesome. There's been a lot of people who have been grabbing out and, and starting to work with this. Uh, we, we've got a lot of adoption going, so that's, that's fantastic. I think that just shows uh, how much these REST APIs are, 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 were needed you know, and really desired to, to get people to start consuming these APIs. Because you know, now that, you know, the choice is yours and kind of the burden is back on, on us as VMware to, to kind of get this up to par where it's, uh, you know, comparable to, to what's available in the SOAP APIs which is you know, definitely one of the things that, that we're working very hard on, on making happen. Very cool. And uh, it, I think that we've uh, got another vBrown bag first uh, this evening. We actually, we actually gave somebody uh, JSON debugging PTSD flashbacks. So apologies <laughs> to uh, Steven yes. Master um, <laughs> for that one. <clears throat> so um, I think, I think we're good for questions, guys. Uh, do you see anything more on, on Twitter, Ariel? No, I think everybody said Ariel is a damn noob, so they left. Oh, gee. No, honestly, this was this was <laughs> phenomenal. I learned a lot. I know a lot of people on Twitter learned a lot. I know that this was not a, a typical B-Brown bag because we did a lot of, okay, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. But for the video, the fact that we captured this in video, I think is really valuable. Yeah, and we get, we got a lot of excellent feedback on on the back end with with the questions. Very very interactive, um, and uh, from the a lot of good uh, interaction from the attendees this evening as well. <laughs> Some of it hey, not fit for video. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, uh, thank you everybody for attending, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you guys.